Okay. So let's get into it. Um, what do you want to talk about? Day one of the cruise? <laughs> um, I feel like those were the big cruise things. I think retired people, we all shared a room. It was super fun. Um, any peanut scares? No. So Holland America was super, super good with all the allergy things. So the first night when Josh and I weren't there yet, um, Monica and Jacob were like, talked to them or like, Hey, which we'd already told them about the allergy thing, but they like really mm-hmm. emphasize or like, this is a really serious allergy. Anyways, they ended up giving us a free night at the fancy steak dinner as a welcome aboard for me and Josh. Wow. There's kind of a miscommunication that had happened. So like, Oh, sorry, here's this, oh. which mm-hmm. was kind of funny just because I'm kind of the resident vegetarian <laughs> dinner at a steakhouse <laughs> and I wow. do eat but <laughs> but it was funny um but yeah they were really good about allergies um but it kind of was just like a constant stressor the whole oh. time so that's kind of a bummer yeah were you kind of like gun shy from the last time because you had gotten yeah. so sick I think so yeah I think there yeah. was just some like trauma <laughs> of being worried about eating a peanut and having another reaction because that actually was pretty scary so I think, and I think for like both me and Josh, it was kind of background stress. So that was, that was the bummer. Yeah. Yeah. But nothing happened, which was really good. Um, but we did all get sick, which <laughs> I think is, I think happens on cruises, I guess. I, you know, on those long cruises, that definitely happens. Um, and then I also feel like with older people too, their immune systems just kind of let more stuff in. That's possible. And so then you just a higher chance of getting sick and it just running through the ship. Yeah. Well, I don't know because I feel like I saw more people sick on the Alaska cruise, but it could be because more people were inside and so it was spreading quicker. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And this one, no one got sick until like the last day. Okay. So, but yeah, I don't know. I I think just there's just so many people, people are going to get sick. Yeah. And you're going to all these different places. Yeah, I know. So, yeah. What would you do if you were on that COVID cruise and they got stuck on the ship because people had COVID and you were stuck in your room? You, Monica, Jacob, and Josh, and your pull-out bed from the roof. (laughs) Well, okay. It depends on a lot of things. But I can tell you what they did because they were on a COVID cruise. <gasps> in 2020. Did they go during COVID or was it like before it was, COVID? It was like, it was before COVID. Like COVID happened while they were on the cruise. Oh my God. <laughs> so they went for a spring break and they did a Caribbean cruise and they were having a great time. And they were like, this is great, you know? And they they weren't in the news at all. So like they didn't know what's happening. Um, and then the day they were supposed to land in Puerto Rico, um, they look outside their window and there's just ocean everywhere and there's no port in sight. And they were like, what? And so then it turns out that Puerto Rico said they can't land there because of COVID. And, uh, <laughs> and so now they're just like out in the middle of the ocean. And um, the first like few hours or maybe day, it was stressful because they're like, are we going to be stuck out here for weeks? Because they had heard mm-hmm. about like the California cruise or whatever that had been stranded um, but then they worked it all out and Florida was letting all the people in. And so they were oh. able to land in Florida like two days later. So it ended up happening once they just got two free days of cruises and there's still all the great food and there's still everything going on. <laughs> and so like, you know, 
they weren't stuck in their room, I don't think. Maybe, I don't know. I don't, I'm sure they maybe did something, but like you still mm-hmm. have to eat. You can't just not eat for two days. Yeah. So, and I mean, the cruise still needs to prepare food and they only know how to prepare really good foods. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so I think, Florida. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Which I mean, like, what, what were they going to do though, too? I mean, the cruise, all those people have to go somewhere. Yeah, right. I don't know. You make them quarantine for two weeks on the boat. I guess so. But I mean, I don't think they have enough rations for two weeks. Maybe they do. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So it yeah. was a weird time. It was a weird time. So so in the end, it actually wasn't too bad for them. Other than they then had to like drive all the way from Florida back to Texas. And <laughs> oh, were they supposed to fly out of Puerto Rico or something? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they still have actually a ticket from Puerto Rico to Texas, oh. <laughs> but they won't, they can't change it from any other airport. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, it was funny because they're on the cruise and they turned on the news and it's like all the news stations are just like, have a tint of red and everything is like the world is ending. And then they're just like on the cruise, like, Seems good over here. <laughs> it does feel like the world is ending. They're like, it was the hottest year ever last year. Oh, gosh. They said, regardless of how cold December could be, there was no way to bring down the average because every really? month after it was like July or something, this is like an NPR something or other. Every month, July, August, September, October, were like the hottest ever recorded. Oh, my god. So gosh. they were like, Yeah. Yeah, just like like, Yeah, you're just like, oh my god, it's here. <laughs> Everyone was telling us in grade school, and now too late. <laughs> Man, here it is. What <sighs> would you do if you're on a COVID cruise? I don't know, man, because Andrew and I are already not cruise people, and Andrew is a little bit of a hypochondriac. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We would be struggling. I know. Yeah, the cruise rooms are so small, though. They're so small. I know. Like, Especially if you don't have a window. Yeah. Like, forget it. I don't know. If I was stuck in that room, I'd go crazy. No. Because those rooms are not very nice. Even if you get a nice one, they're not very nice. And the bathrooms are all kind of weird and gross, even if <laughs> it's a nice one. Like, we were on a celebrity cruise or something it was a really like nice boat and stuff but like even in the bathroom it's like the curtain you're just like this curtain's disgusting it's so small Uh, and there was like a tile and it was like squishy and you're like I know there's mold under here oh no yeah and that was like one of like their nicer ships and stuff it's just you can't help it you can't help it you can't really ever get it clean I don't know yeah we would not have a good time <laughs> I know it's just like in your room. That's why it depends on so many things. Like if you can walk around outside and like if they gave, you know, if they get masks to everybody fine. and you're like distant, yeah. and it's like, okay, that could be okay. Mm-hmm. But I mean it's scary no matter what. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Okay. Well, let's get into it. Excellent. You know, I should have used this time to review the other chapters. <laughs> That's okay. So we are in chapter 28, titled Oh yeah. <laughs> podcast for two sisters chat about books we're reading i'm chrissy and i'm candace and we're continuing lessons in chemistry do you think we did turbo speed last time i feel like we did pretty good because we got through three chapters and one of them was really meaty that's true 
That's true. Um, Because we have been doing about two. I guess that's true. Yeah. So, okay. How How many more episodes do you want to spend on lessons in chemistry? I'm hoping we can KO this in another two or three. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. Including this one. Okay. We'll need to, I think we'll, let's turbo, turbo speed it. Okay. So we pick up with Madeline. She's trying to complete her family tree. She remembers that her mom tells her librarians know everything. So she goes to the library to try to find where her fairy godmother was donating to the school that Calvin went to. Right. So she's just trying to track down who that donor is, where that school was. And so she goes to the library and while she's there, she meets a reverend, a pastor, and he takes interest in her. And we find out, I think in this chapter, that this is Calvin's pen pal. Wait, we found out in this chapter it's Calvin's pen pal? I think so. We might, but yeah, yeah. And everything's starting to come together now. Yeah, all of the pieces are starting. Yeah, um, we find out in this chapter. So the, the Reverend finds out that Madeline is Calvin Evans' daughter. We find out that that Reverend is the guy who um, spoke at the funeral for Calvin. He he performed the funeral and all of that. And so right. he saw Elizabeth and 630 and he didn't know it at the time, but Madeline was in the belly. Right. And we find out from the other side of basically how Calvin and this minister connected. He had taken a class in chemistry or something to learn more about like science and creation. And then he started contacting Calvin. And then they had started a friendship, but then he was like, Calvin mailed me that letter of, I hate my dad. And he just really didn't know how to respond to that, which we were like, that sounds very reasonable. (laughs) (laughs) And it sounds like he had really liked his pen pal relationship with Calvin, but he really just didn't know how to, how to talk to him again. Yeah. Right. So he wasn't like seething with anger, like Calvin had assumed. Yeah. He was just, I don't know what to say. Yeah. Um, and yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's a good summary. Right. And I, d- I don't know that there's really a lot to dig out of here other than this is a little bit of Bonnie's, um, way to address religion in this book. And basically like even this minister is a little shaky on his own beliefs of creation and how things started and, so yeah that was kind of all that i picked out is that in bonnie's perspective even even your religious leaders are a little dubious on the god creating everything yeah same old same old (laughs) same old same old she she does give a caveat though that uh that here is this incredible happenstance that he's at the library meets this five-year-old who happens to be Evan's daughter and it and he says God really did move in mysterious ways 
Oh, did you read that as sincere? I did. I, let's see, I'm trying to find where that line was. Maybe I read it as sincere too. But I think after everything else, I read it as kind of like. Sarcastic. Kind of trite maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can read the whole paragraph if you'd like. Okay. Oh, actually I found it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Just, just in general, it's kind of a down on religion. <laughs> I, I kind of took it as maybe he doesn't believe that God created everything like it says in the Bible, but maybe God is still weaving things together in a way. Yeah. So okay. I think we had kind of talked about that before, like trying to blend science with religious text. Mm-hmm. versus making them opposing forces yeah but she really does use the um minister to kind of talk about a lot of hypocrisies in church and kind of poke some poke at it a little bit yeah oh and then they swap secrets at the very end mm. and you- yeah uh madeline says oh that's not a bad secret she says to the reverend uh but when he hears madeline's secret he couldn't find the words so we don't we don't know what either one of them said but it sounds like what he shared wasn't that bad but what madeline said was very dark for a four-year-old right i think do you have any guesses what their secrets were i Imagine that his secret is that he doesn't really believe his religion. And I think her secret is probably like she's like living for her mom or something or Mm. having that parentification that we had talked about earlier, something in that vein. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think I know this get revealed. Wakely's does get revealed later. I forget. I don't. I don't remember what Madeline's secret was. So I forget if that one gets revealed. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So the idea of like science, or like there's something more than science, mm-hmm. has kind of come up in the past few chapters. And in this chapter, we kind of see like religion is maybe, or for the Reverend, um, science is kind of replacing religion in some ways of like. Maybe this isn't mm-hmm. how the world works. Maybe it is science or something like that. Mm-hmm. Do you think the book talks to like, what is like the unifying feature of the world? Is it science? Is it more than science? Uh, can you ask that question a little differently? Because I don't think I understood it. Yeah, I'm trying to put the question together. I guess what I was thinking is like, faith is usually like a unifying thing or it's like, oh, we all believe this thing. Uh, but yeah. the book is saying like, okay, well, actually, you know, science is kind of replacing faith. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's science. But then also in past chapters, it said that there's more to life than science. Yeah, I think maybe maybe what where this is all going is that science is starting to chip away at the mystery of how everything started a little bit more. Mm-hmm than 100 years ago 500 years ago but there are still things that are not explained by science and so it kind of seems wherever there's a question mark where science can't explain it well then religion kind of fills in that hole 
Mm, so you're thinking that's kind of like what the people in the book. I, I kind of feel like that's where the, I kind of feel like that's what the book is saying a little bit. I don't know. What do you mm, think? Yeah. Yeah. I could see the book kind of saying that. But as science grows more robust, it's going to continually start to crowd out religion, right? As it, as science explains those little holes, now the place for religion becomes smaller and smaller. Maybe. Yeah. But, but I think you're right. Yeah. That does seem, there is like this, you know, I guess miraculous happenstance that he's run into Calvin's daughter mm -hmm. and it's like, and that's not explainable by science mm -hmm. essentially ever, you know? Right. So it does seem to be like this, like background fabric or something mm -hmm. in the world. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Maybe we'd find out that souls are neither created nor destroyed like <gasps> matter. <laughs> mm, wouldn't, wouldn't that be interesting? Right. Yeah. So you have like that reincarnation level or like kind of like that quote unquote spiritual level where your soul goes somewhere and maybe that kind of is Calvin bringing people together. Whoa. Like an angel yeah. kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm, interesting. Exactly. Interesting. There could be something there. Uh, that's all I had for 28. Yeah. That sounds good. Okay. Chapter 29. Um, you said you had notes. Do you want to summarize this one? Oh, no, I don't have notes. I just underlined things. If you have a oh. summary, that's great. If not, I can put one together. Um, I can just, I don't have anything written up. I can just kind of do what I've been doing, unless you want to get that I have wrong. nothing. I don't have anything written up either. Okay. So this <laughs> one's, this one's called Bonding, and Elizabeth and her supper at six, she discusses the different types of chemical bonds there are, and she uses it to make a lot of opinions and this kind of puts me into the okay we need to have some disbelief because her show is only 30 minutes long but she seems to have time to cook an entire meal and and have little manifestos <laughs> with commercial breaks with commercial breaks so i mean <laughs> ah. So yeah, this one is where all of her funny um, explanations of a food come in. I thought this was hilarious. Yeah. So the first one she talks about is ionic, which is the opposites attract chemical bond. And this is where I'm like, I wonder if this is Bonnie and her first husband. I'm thinking she's divorced. I don't know that. But she says, for instance, let's say you wrote your PhD thesis on free market economics, but your husband rotates tires for a living. You love each other, but he's probably not interested in hearing about the invisible hand. And who can blame him? Because you know the invisible hand is libertarian garbage. I was like, don't attack me like that. <laughs> You're just coming after all of us. <laughs> I know. I know. She's taking shots. She's got her she's got her rifle and her little sniper thing. And she's <laughs> <laughs> And then she says, or perhaps your marriage is more of a covalent bond. Um, and she said, and if so, lucky you, because that means you have both, you both have strengths that when combined create something even better. For example, when hydrogen and oxygen combine, what do we get? Water. And then um, she starts talking a lot about Switzerland. She says, in many respects, that covalent bond is not like a, is not unlike a party, one that's made better thanks to your pie you made and the wine he brought. And then she says a covalent bond as small as European country, say Switzerland, 
Alps, she quickly wrote on the easel. Plus, a strong economy equals everybody wants to live there. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Is this Bonnie Garmus coming out? This is Bonnie Garmus coming out with her little <laughs> manifestos. <laughs> it pans all the women at home watching this and they're like all taking notes. I'm like, Switzerland. Move. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah I I thought that was funny I enjoyed that but yeah it, it it was Bonnie coming out but at this point I guess we're used to it we're used to it and it, it is funny it is funny yeah it is also but, I looked at Bonnie Garmu's husband and she is married and as I was going down through Google trying to find you know if she was married before I saw this one where it says six days before turning 16 Bonnie married high school classmate Roy Thornton the marriage disintegrated within months, and Bonnie never again saw her husband after he was imprisoned for robbery in 1929. What? But 1929? <laughs> I realized after that that it was Bonnie and Clyde. Oh, no. <laughs> At first, I'm like, oh, I got some the juicy, but... <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> but Bonnie Garmus appears to be married. Okay. So that's great. Uh, the last bond that they talk about is a hydrogen bond. And she says, a hydrogen bond, the most fragile, delicate bond of all. I call this love at first sight because both parties are drawn to each other based solely on visual information. But then you talk and discover he's a closeted Nazi and thinks women complain too much. Poof, just like that, the delicate bond is broken. That's the hydrogen bond for you ladies. A chemical reminder that if things seem too good to be true, they probably are. <laughs> <laughs> And I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I. This is where the book is like. There's definitely a turn in tone. This is yes. happy now. I get why people kept reading this. Yeah, exactly. This is. I really enjoyed this chapter. Uh, Walter Pine gets the contract extended for another six months, but only by agreeing that sexy was in, science was out. <laughs> <laughs> Walter's just telling everybody what they want to hear. <laughs> yeah, Wal Walter's just doing the best that he can. Uh, what's also happened, I forget if it has come up in this chapter already, but um Elizabeth doesn't know how successful her show is. And no. later they she thinks it's really unsuccessful, like it's about to get cut. That might come up in this chapter. Anyways, and and I don't know if Walter Pine even knows, because I think abysmal, Phil abysmal is yeah. saying like, ah, no, no views. No one likes it. But the which reality I, is people are calling off the off the rail. Yeah. Which, again, that kind of goes into the <clears throat> suspending disbelief that Elizabeth, who is so practical, wouldn't ask for a rate sheet or like ratings or something or that like her manager, Walter wouldn't get like how much viewership there is like you would think he would he would need to know <laughs> he's just leaving it all in phil abysmal's hands now maybe that's just how it was in the 50s uh quick digression when i was with andrew's family for the holidays i was at his aunt and uncle's and mm -hmm. she's a big reader the wife the aunt and she's 63 and she was a CEO of an energy company. So you're dealing with a lot of engineers and a lot of like linemen. So she's the only woman in her industry. Mm -hmm. And 
one of the things that she told me years ago, and I always thought this was so interesting, is that she never learned how to type because she said, she said, I'm in a full male dominated industry. And she's like, I saw like the guys would just default to the women to take notes. Mm. And she said, if I didn't know how to type, then I could just tell them that I don't know how to type. I can't take notes and someone else would have to do it. And she said on this past visit, she said, I read this fabulous book. You would love it. I was like, what is it? And she says, lessons in chemistry. Oh my gosh, no way. I swear. And I like, Andrew and I laugh because like, we've just been trashing this book for this first half. But what she was saying is like, for her reading this book was just so validating because mm-hmm. all of these things that Elizabeth was experiencing, she said like that times 10. Wow. We should and have so that on the show. Sorry, I know, but she wouldn't want to. Um, she's too rich and has too lovely of a life to come on bookalish, bookalicious. <laughs> she was just describing what it was like for her in the workplace. And it sounded to her, it was very true to form. Mm-hmm. No fiction, all 50s. Oh my gosh. And she was in the workplace in the 70s and 80s. Whoa. Yeah. Right? So maybe maybe they don't get the information on the ratings. Maybe that's possible. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I I can see that being possible. Well, I feel like that's why the first part of the book was so hard to read because it, it was outrageous in a lot of ways, but also it was realistic where it's like, I could see this kind of terrible treatment happening. Yes. And it's just so sad. Yes. It was just it was sad like, after sad. Yeah. I, I kind of wish they were flip. She had been flipping back and forth mm. between present and past to kind of mix up the drudgery. Because yeah. <laughs> it feels like we read two, we're reading two different books. I know. Yeah. Right. I think part of that's because we took such a big break. I don't know. People don't take a break. So, but I will say like after reading it, like it, I, it is like an empowering book and it's like, yeah, go Elizabeth. And like, yeah. it all ends up good. Yeah. So, so I could see why she really likes it. And, and I think I like it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But man, that's interesting though. All fact, mm-hmm. no fifties. That's what she was saying. Did we finish our summary for this chapter? Um, I was kind of like in the middle of it, but my Kindle just keeps flipping between two pages. So I can't. Oh, no. Okay. Um, So we went through the three different bonds. Um, The sexy's in. Science is out. And then Walter is struggling with telling Amanda about the truth of their family, that his mom's not coming, that her mom's not coming back, and that he and she weren't related in any way. And then he says adopted children had the right to know, and he's waiting for the right moment, her 40th birthday. I don't know that she really needs to know this. Um, I don't you don't know. think so? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I kind of feel like like the adopted children thing, I feel like that's a good parallel because I feel like what seems to be the move now is that people have like a gotcha day or whatever for adoption. And so it's like, it's just the child grows up knowing like, oh, it's adopted. And it's like, yeah. it's a good thing. And we celebrate this versus being older and then finding out that everything you thought you knew 
wasn't right. And like, in some ways it's like, oh, it doesn't really change. They're still my parents, but also it's like, oh, wow, who am I? I guess I just feel like in this particular case, I don't know that it's super relevant just because he was married to her mom and he thought she was his kid the whole time until he took this paternity test. Right. But I don't know, because I feel like it's got to come out at some point, you know, like yeah. even if it's like in a medical thing where it's like, hey, dad, do you have a history of heart failure or something? And well, it's I like, well, actually, true. and like, you don't want to find out when you're 40. Yeah. <laughs> like he's <No>. planning. <laughs> That's true. I, I just think he's in a hard, hard spot because it's yeah. like you find out so late, you don't yeah. have the opportunity to just say it from the beginning, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a hard spot. I wouldn't want to be there and it's not an easy choice, but I feel like no. telling is the way to go mm -hmm. from an early age. So then they just always know. Mm -hmm. No, I don't know. That's my thought. Um, we see that Elizabeth is starting to cause some ripples within her workplace. Well, she always has been. Uh, she always has been. But with the other women mm. where, um, so Rosa is like her onset assistant and she's talking about sodium chloride and this is the line. Would it kill her to say salt? Walter hissed. Would it? I know how she, or I like how she uses sciencey words, Rosa said. It makes me feel, I don't know, capable. Capable, he said. Capable? What happened to wanting to feel slim and beautiful? And what the hell is going on with those trousers? Where did those come from? And so you're seeing the women, Elizabeth's kind of like making the women, quote unquote, like wake up. Mm -hmm. So maybe that is the, mm -hmm. the overall theme because she was designed to wake people up. Yeah, yeah. in their afternoon slump but maybe they're in like their societal slump and she's waking them up. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Mm -hmm. I love that. And then she talks about subsidized childcare in <laughs> Sweden. So funny. No, okay. The line is a successful oh. chicken pot pie is like a society that functions at a highly efficient level. Call it Sweden. Every vegetable has its place. Then she goes on and she goes, and now we mix these and it balances the acidity result subsidized childcare. <laughs> and then rosa's like subsidized child care we should get that on the ballot <laughs> uh, yeah this is the clever stuff where it's like it's so funny mm -hmm. um do you want to continue your summary there's a few lines here that i think are just so great no go for it well, okay, so um, she's, like, going through all this stuff about Sweden, and then during a commercial break, they're talking, and Elizabeth is like, oh, I was thinking about tomorrow's recipe, and we'll need at least three fire extinguishers because it is combustion <laughs> reaction, and <laughs> things could go wrong. Um, and then <laughs> and Walter Pine is like, I need to talk to you. And he goes, what is with the trousers? She goes, what do you mean? You know what I mean. Do you like them? You must. You wear them all the time. And I can see why. They're so comfortable. Don't worry. I plan to give you full credit. <laughs> <laughs> that just cracked me up so much. <laughs> She's just so oblivious. It's very comical. <laughs> Bonnie Garmus does come out in a little bit of a monologue against um, God and 
the conundrum between being a loving God and also a smiting a smiting God. Not a lot more to dig out of there. Uh, she just Elizabeth does have a little manifesto there. She she sure does. Yep. <laughs> Um, she talks about the pie and she's just really, really just kind of pumping up the ladies, like letting them know like what they're doing is so important and so vital to the family unit. And so I think that's what's really the draw for all of these housewives is that they've been treated second fiddle for so long. And here's Elizabeth saying like, what you're doing is important and it's real. And just, she just keeps kind of hammering that home. Yeah. And she's talking about like important things like Sweden. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so kind of bringing that into the conversation um and then one of the plot things that happens here is that she finishes she not only finishes her whole chicken pot pie and has her five manifestos with commercial breaks but she does it all in less than 30 minutes and so she has enough time to take a question from the audience which is something that she just came up with on the spot and <laughs> Walter Fine is like gosh no don't do that um anyways and so someone asks a question but basically they end up talking about like um elizabeth asks elizabeth asks the audience member like what do you actually want to do or something like that um mm -hmm. and the woman says that she's always wanted to be a heart surgeon and elizabeth is like well, why haven't you um anyways it's just this big empowering moment where elizabeth is like of course you could be a heart surgeon you can raise five kids you can do anything mm-hmm yeah. And so I think this is kind of a wink and a nod to that, uh, the feminine mystique where you're finding there's all of these housewives who had hopes and dreams and skills and abilities to do other things, but they've been relegated to being a maid and a chef and a chauffeur. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much it for that chapter. Yeah. <laughs> the The last line to 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 close well there's two lines to close out the chapter but um the audience member is talking about medical school or whatever and then elizabeth goes it's your um by the way it's free day mrs phyllis something my producer just invented <laughs> i i feel like elizabeth like knows everything she's doing is ridiculous but she's like i'm just gonna keep playing the part and pretend like this is totally normal and people keep letting me do it. <laughs> you know, I do wonder if Elizabeth is in on the joke and she's not as oblivious as she's letting on. Mm -hmm. But because we as the reader don't get to see any internal dialogue for many, like we don't really get to see what people are thinking very often. We don't get to see what Elizabeth's thinking. She might just be playing this up like you're saying. Because mm -hmm. she's like, if I just keep acting ridiculous, they're just going to think that it's part of the shtick yeah <laughs> and she knows she knows i know so. and yeah that kind of develops i think throughout like she she does know how the workplace functions mm -hmm. and how to how to take control um but yeah there we go that's it so now we are on chapter 30 99 all right crazy why don't you do the summary on this okay okay so chapter 30 it's called the 99 percent um <clears throat> And there's a lot that goes on in this chapter. The first part is uh, Mad comes back from school with her family tree assignment, and it did not go as planned. Um, she had basically put all of human history was on her family tree because we're all related. <laughs> <laughs> and her teacher said, that's not what I was looking for. Um, but Elizabeth looks at the assignment and she notices a math error where she says we're like 99%. 
genetically identical, yeah. something like that. And anyway, so that's Elizabeth thinks that's the problem, but of course that is not the case. Yeah. Um, and then we go back to the workplace. Is that the next thing that happens? No. Oh, you know what? Elizabeth is talking about wanting to be interviewed by a reporter. And I think that's going to come up soon. Oh, later. Yeah. I think he's probably the guy who makes her luscious Lizzie. Oh, I mean, when, what chapter did you read to? I don't know. We're getting to almost the end of what I've read. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So we do see um, Elizabeth. She's been contacted by a reporter several times, multiple different reporters, and she doesn't want to do any interviews because she's like, I want to talk about chemistry and they want to talk about food. And also they want to know about my family life. And that's none of their business. Um, and Madeline's like, what's wrong with our family that you can't talk about it? Um, mm -hmm. And basically Elizabeth, I mean, I don't know, Elizabeth gives her an answer. I don't know if she's really withholding things. She, I, I don't know. She's also just kind of like aloof maybe to what Matt actually wants to know. I think she wants to protect Madeline from hearing all the bad things that yeah. the world does. And I think she wants to just equip her with defense, defense armor, but she doesn't want to tell her what she's like fighting. Oh yeah. Actually, that's a really good description. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, she yeah. doesn't so talk about like her sexual abuse or uh, what happened. She doesn't want to tell her what happened to her dad in the boys school. Right. Which I don't know. Does Elizabeth know? Because they didn't really talk about it. I assume that she knows at least Cliff Notes. Yeah, probably. Which, to be fair, Matt is five. So, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But Elizabeth doesn't say, like, I'll tell you when you're older or, like, now is mm -hmm. not a good time or something. Yeah. So, so that happens. Um, and then we see. Okay. Um, and then we see an interaction with Harriet where Harriet comes in and she has like bruises all over her. Um, and it turns out that her husband has beat her. Um, and Elizabeth is all in an uproar and wants to call the police, but Harriet says they'll be on his side and they'll get after us actually. And Elizabeth mm -hmm. based off her experience with police officers earlier in the book, believes that's true. Mm -hmm. and, you know, it very well could be true. Um, so they end up not calling the police, but that really enrages Elizabeth, clearly, um, as that comes up on her next cooking show. Um, and then what also happens at Elizabeth's workplace with the cooking show is um, she discovers that she's getting paid less than all the male employees at the studio. Um, and all the male employees have a share in the company, uh, but none of the female employees do. So now she's enraged about that too. And so she's bringing all this anger and she wants to go address it to Phil abysmal and let him know what's going on and say, hey, yes. we need to fix this. So one thing I do want to add with the Harriet piece mm -hmm. is that the reason why they don't want to go to the police is because she hit him too in like defense. Mm -hmm. That's right. And they're like, if we take you to the police, all they're going to do is like you hit him. Yeah. Okay. And they're not going to talk about the rest of it. Uh, but yes, we find out that all the men are getting paid more. They're getting equity. The women are not. I want to give that a strong stamp of definitely 50s, not fiction. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that's true. <laughs> Don't need a fact check. Yep. Okay. So carry on. Um, yeah. So she goes to Phil Abysmal 
and it goes abysmally and we get a um, almost repeat of what we saw in the beginning of the book when with Elizabeth's first um, what is it advisor at her school yeah um, so we know this time everyone knows what's going to happen so it Rosa her makeup woman is like abysmal wants to see you at seven and like Elizabeth's like seven that's so late um and then Rosa said Walter left early and she says look I don't think you should go to see abysmal by yourself I'll come with you like because everyone knows what's gonna happen yeah that's true right and Walter actually doesn't let his female employees go see Phil on their own right Good and I think Walter. he's I think he's told her that before. Yeah. Right. So Elizabeth's Elizabeth's coming prepared. Yeah, I know it was, uh, I I was reading it. I was like, no, it's been so happy. Please. No, but she uh, doesn't happen because that he, they go through this whole argument and um, Phil abysmal is in fact about to, take advantage of her but then what does she do she whips out her 14 inch chef's knife and (laughs) (laughs) i thought that was great (laughs) and she doesn't do anything with it because he sees it and he faints yes um she also i think she's purposely driving him nuts because he says do you know who i am elizabeth do i know about yams (laughs) i said do you know who i am and so she just keeps doing these things and like everything he says she just repeats it back to him like is this what you mean you mean that you because he says the whole show's canceled and everyone's fired and she's like are you saying that you're firing all the staff even though that they work on five different shows in addition to this like is that what you're saying and so yeah then she pulls out the chef knife and then he has a heart attack (laughs) yeah Yeah. Yeah. Good. This was great. I guess there is some character development here. I think we had talked about in previous episodes, like does Elizabeth change? And like, she's definitely different here. Mm-hmm. than when we, when we first met Elizabeth. Yeah. So I didn't, this just felt like a lot of plot. Um, I think the biggest thing is that Elizabeth is like you just said, Elizabeth is facing a similar situation to the beginning of the book but she is coming prepared and she's not going to let this guy take advantage of her again. Mm -hmm. She's done with that. Yeah. Go Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. And I, Oh, nope. I did read this other chapter. Mm -hmm. So that's all I had for 29. Mm -hmm. Okay. I had some things. Oh, good. So, um, in the beginning of the chapter, when um Mad was like, "Why don't you want to talk about her family? Is there something wrong with it?" Um, and then part of Elizabeth's response is, "Uh, often the best way to deal with the bad is to turn it on its end. Use it as a, use it as a strength. Refuse to allow the bad thing to define you. Fight it." And- yes. So she she is kind of facing everything like a warrior, like you were saying, and trying to prepare man for like battle. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to hear what's your thought on that. Uh, I saw that and 
I I felt the same. It just seemed like a very clear line saying this is this is what's happening. This is why Elizabeth is this way. This is why she's raising Madeline like this. And she's just trying to prepare her. But what she's not doing is she's not really saying, like we said before, what it is that she's fighting. Right. So mm-hmm. she talks about um, Madeline says, tell me about dad. I've told you everything, sweetheart. He was brilliant, honest, loving man. Um, his parents died in an unfortunate collision with a train and his aunt hit a tree. He went to live in a boy's home. And then she says, um, your father didn't like to talk about this. It was private. Sometimes bad things happen. This is a fact of life. In terms of the boy's home, your father did not like to talk about it because I suspect he knew dwelling on it would not change it. He was raised without a family, without parents he could count on, without the protection and love every child was entitled to, but he persevered. And so she just talks about it in very like ambiguous terms, but not being clear that like these, like the person who was supposed to take care of him abused him or things like that, mm-hmm. which I feel like those are the key things that you need to know as a kid to know that just because you're an adult doesn't mean that they're going to take care of you. That's true. Like, yeah. that to me is like the key thing that the kid needs to know is that you can't trust all adults that they're not going to do what they need to do that's, that's a good point yeah elizabeth does not prepare for that and i feel like the outcome is like fight everything mm-hmm. is kind of the other part of this too yeah and i think that's why madeline is so infuriating to her teacher because everything the teacher says she's very argumentative right because that is kind of Elizabeth's <laughs> mm-hmm. mode. Um, but yeah, and I also thought like, you can't fight every bad thing. And some bad things like you need to accept and like work through. And Elizabeth is not preparing that for for that. Um, mm-hmm. What's the word? Approach, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing is... Elizabeth is like shocked that Phil's the executive producer. She's like, how did he get to this spot? And she's talking to Walter about it. And he says, surely, Walter said with a sigh, surely you know by now that the world is filled with Phil's. Oh, maybe that's why he's called Phil. Oh, it might be filled with abysmal. (laughs) Filled with abysmal. Yeah. (laughs) And I remember when I was starting off in my career, that crazy insurance guy that I worked for, I was like, this guy's insane. He's like, literally abusing people and I remember talking to our HR person she was not very good at it and she was just like listen she's like you can deal with him she's like but if you go work at a bigger company she's like there's a hundred of these guys at least here there's only one interesting yeah the Miss Frask level advice I feel like yeah huh yeah that's not a great but do you think there is some like truth to that where it's like can't change everybody no no you can't and I think what Walter's saying is that like he says our best bet is to try and get along make the best of a bad situation why can't you just do that and I think to a certain degree it's like yeah you do kind of have to play the game a little bit but it's a fine line between how much you're willing to play the game Mm mm-hmm yeah, because like how much how much abuse am I willing to endure? I guess I know. I mean, I said that, and like I would leave. You should get out of that situation. 
<laughs> you Wait, know? Yeah, which totally I agree. I would say I have more uh, empathy for Elizabeth in this situation because the show is giving her so much money and yes. her other option sounds like it. Her only other option apparently is robbery or Hastings. Um, Hastings. <laughs> So she doesn't have a lot of great options. And at least here she has Walter, who seems like an ally. Yeah, that's true. So I would say out of her situations, this does seem to be better. I would say advice for someone like you or me in 2024, Happy New Year, is leave. You have a lot of options. So, (laughs) you know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's all I had. Yeah, uh, for the whole chapter. Mm-hmm. Do you have a couple more? No, it's just so funny. I mean, we don't need to spend time on it, but because of Harriet's um, abuse, Elizabeth's next recipe uses mushrooms. And basically the whole theme of that show is here's how to kill your loved ones without them knowing. <laughs> <laughs> she uses mushrooms and she has a can of soup and she's like, this is a great way to make them die faster. It's full of artificial ingredients. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but it's it's just funny. But yeah, I I think those are the 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 takeaways from the mm-hmm. show or from that from the chapter. All right, chapter 31. Chapter 31. So, chapter 31, it's called the Get Well card, um and it's because Philip Bismol had a heart attack. Um and he needed to go on bed rest for at least a year. And so anyways, they all go to work the next day and it's Elizabeth and Walter and Walter's like, what's going on here? And Elizabeth is like, we've all been fired. Bill fired every last one of us. And (laughs) Walter's like, what did you do? Um, And Walter kind of goes the angle that we were just saying of like, oh, you need to like just work with Phil, stroke his ego, use the angles, say what he wants to hear. And that's how you survive here. But Elizabeth has gone the opposite direction and pulled out a knife on him. And now he's gone. So it seemed pretty effective. <laughs> so, but now they're also in the spot where Walter is now the one in charge. And it's like this great moment where it's like, okay, Walter, now you get to make the decisions. Like, how would you make this workplace? Um, and so we see the very beginning of that, of they're cleaning out his office. Walter's now calling the shots. Uh, things are seem to already be going a lot better. Um, and... At the end of the chapter, they have a get well card for Phil and um, everyone in the you know studio signed it. And there's some like get well soons, but most of it is just like, I hope you die and <laughs> never get better. <laughs> and um, Walter was going to write something like get well soon or whatever. Then he sees this as his moment to be like, no, like I'm going to take the risks. I'm not going to play the game anymore. Mm-hmm. And he writes in giant letters, may you never recover. And we find out that they were, they've been syndicated for the past three months. Yeah. Okay. What does syndicated mean exactly? Um, I, I don't really know, actually. Yeah. I, I want to I... say it means that like you're a certain tier of show caliber. Oh, oh, okay. It's shown on a different network than the one that it first showed on. So now there are oh. multiple networks. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So they're like, they're doing really well, actually. 
and sponsors are falling all over themselves to be part of our show. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people are watching it. Very popular. And no one had told Elizabeth Mm -hmm. or Walter or Walter. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's like the crazy thing is because what spurned all of the ire from Phil is that I think they had a sponsor for like canned soup and Elizabeth was like this is actually full of preservatives and she threw it away (laughs) and it's like they could have been getting sponsors from cooking tools or like so many things that Elizabeth would have been in alignment with but he's just choosing things that she hates you know yeah Mm -hmm. pulling the curtain back yeah we also so as Elizabeth is telling Walter all these things, um, he he finds out that Elizabeth had visited um, Phil on her own. And he's like, oh, my gosh, what happened? And he's like getting viscerally ill at what could have happened to Elizabeth the night before. And um, in his inner dialogue, he goes, were most men like Phil? Walter's opinion, no. But did most men do anything about men like Phil, himself included? No. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a good line where it's like, it does seem like so many of the men in this book are just terrible. And it's like, that's not the reality. Most men aren't terrible. But there is also another part where it's like, even if you're not terrible, do you call out the people who are terrible? And do you help, you know, vulnerable people, whether it's like women or children or whoever else? Yeah. Well, so that brings up like a good point. So like as a white person, there's a white American person living in America, there are certain privileges that I'm given that my coworkers, a lot who are not American born, uh, but work in analytics, right? With me. So there's a lot of privileges that I get that they don't have. Mm -hmm. Um, I get a lot of privileges with not having to worry about visa stuff. Yeah. Um, The visa issue is a very big deal. If you change jobs, either because you choose to, or because you are fired or let go or whatever the case is, you have, I think it's like 60 days to find another job. That's employment. Yeah. Otherwise you are kicked out of the country. Yeah. So the threat of being laid off, especially in today's economic climate is terrifying for people who are on a visa, because if you get laid off, that means a bunch of other people who have the same type of credentials that you have probably also got laid off at the same time. And you're all fighting for the same jobs and you need to find someone who will sponsor visa. Not every company yeah. does. So it it's a very anxiety inducing environment. Okay. So just put that as the backdrop. Um, a a lot of my coworkers are from India and a lot of people in India are vegetarians. Okay. Last year we had a Christmas dinner or lunch for the analytics department. A large portion of the analytics department is from India. Let's say 30%. Like not a small, not a small amount. I would say somewhere between 30 to 40. They cater Italian and every single entree every single dish had meat in it Mm -hmm. not one vegetarian dish the only option that people who are vegetarian had was a garden salad and a buttered roll (laughs) and everyone else had like all these pastas and this and like so many options and I was like this is ridiculous that you're throwing a good job party 
for a department where a third of your staff does not eat meat and all you yeah. offer are meat options. I'm like, it's unacceptable. I mean, really, it's like how much we appreciate you. It's like, apparently not at all because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even think about who your people are. Yeah. Right. But at the same time, it's like a lot of my coworkers who are Indian, they are on visas and they don't want to rock the boat and they don't want to, yeah. you know, cause a stink yeah. because you don't want to be on the list because that's a big, big problem for you. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm going to make it a big, big problem for me because I don't have that issue. And so yeah. I, I like, I made a big stink about it. And I told every, every single time I had around like a round table or a thing with like leadership, I said, that was unacceptable. Like you need to be thinking about who, who your person is. <laughs> yeah. And so anyway, so, um, so I made sure like when we ever, like when we did our surveys, I was like, everyone needs to like complain about this. Like every single time I spoke to someone, I was like, you need to complain <laughs> about this. Like, this is a big problem. This isn't like an oversight. We are too big of a company to be having this type of yeah thing. Um, and then this year we had catering again and we had plenty of vegetarian options. Wow. Look at that. Yeah. yeah. So I thought That's that was exciting. great. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so that was a, a long, long, long story to just say that, like, if you're in a position of privilege, which everyone is comparatively, right, you mm -hmm. always have some level of privilege, use that to benefit others. Yeah. The end. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good, good takeaway. Yeah. All right. Um, do you think we can get chapter 32 in and be done? Um. Yeah, I think that's about all for chapter 31, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, there's there's one line from um Walter and um Elizabeth is like coaching him on like what he should do and she's like, "You know what needs to be done. You know what changes need to be made. Just do what you know is right." And then he's like, "It's not that easy." Um and he thinks, "She seemed to believe God, she was so naive that employees were more productive when they felt respected. <laughs> but it's like that probably was kind of the um, perspective. Yeah, I would say that's 50s, not fiction. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I would say that's been 50s since 10 years ago. <laughs> I feel like millennials and now Gen Z are really ushering in the we we are not your slaves working mm -hmm. for you like you do not own me you do not get to call me after 5 p.m yeah Good I'm trading my time and my time is 40 hours and that's it <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, we like to see that mm-hmm um yeah and it also kind of reminds me of like Elantris when um Rayodin had the chance to like start his own society kind of mm -hmm. in Elantris it's like what choices do you make and now we're mm -hmm. seeing the same thing with Walter Pine where he kind of he gets to have his own company and what choices does he make with how he treats people and the policies and things like that mm -hmm. yeah all right chapter 32 chapter 32 okay <laughs> uh so basically 
where I'm feeling like the story is going is that in the last chapter, we find out that the show is actually very popular. And now that Walter's in charge, we're actually able to see all the celebrity that Elizabeth has. And so now they're just kind of like letting, like they're letting lines of people try to get into the show. And so it's like very like popular and Madeline it wants to go see her mom. And Elizabeth never wanted Madeline to go see the show because I guess she didn't want her Madeline's view of Elizabeth to be skewed like her mom's a celebrity she wanted to stay just mom but her and Harriet really want to go see her so then they go and they're like oh you guys can't get in you have to get into line and then they see that it's Madeline Zott and then they usher her right in right they get the best seats in the house Um, And then they get to see Elizabeth do her show live. And because of all the lights, Elizabeth can't see them. Mm -hmm. So they're watching Elizabeth and it looks like even though it's like she's doing so well, she just seems more depressed than ever. She's not very happy. And then someone asks a question. And what was the question? Okay, yeah, someone asked a question. He says, oh, I love the show so much. Uh, And then she said, "Um, I just wondered if you have a favorite grace you recite before each meal to thank our Lord and Savior for the bounty. I'd love to hear it. Thank you. And then Elizabeth says, I don't give grace because I'm an atheist. Dar she blows, Harriet said. So basically, Elizabeth has just blown up everything she has just acquired by saying that she's an atheist on TV and she just goes into a manifesto and everyone's just like shocked. Gosh. Yeah. And, and I guess this is why the religion stuff has been coming up throughout the book because like it is painting a picture of like, what was it like in the fifties? And it's like, yeah, everyone did kind of have to be, you know, religious to fit in. I would say Christian. Christian, yeah, that's true. Christian to fit in. Because if she said, I'm Buddhist, I think it would have been near the same level of. Yeah. Ah! Right. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. So so I guess that's why it's all come up mm-hmm. so often. And I guess that's an important thing to to show too. Yeah. I didn't really have, this just felt like a lot of plot to me. I didn't really have any. Yeah, um, we see um, Mad's perspective of her mom. Like she's just so proud of Elizabeth and thinks she's doing such a great job and is so happy to see her um, doing her show. Um, but we also see her kind of sad because she sees so many other people of her mom. Um, and now she has to like share her mom's attention with all of them. At least that's mm-hmm. how she feels. Um, and so that's, that's interesting to see um yeah and maybe that also kind of just adds another nuance to like the working mom mm-hmm. thing where you know if you're working you do spend your time and attention on your job mm-hmm. and it, i don't know it just kind of brings up that conflict or what could be a conflict yeah just kind of like you can never you can't do it all a hundred percent yeah you can't give your kids all the attention they need plus work plus take care of yourself mm-hmm. plus take care of you can't you can't so 
just kind of seeing that rub. Yeah. I think so. And we're seeing it from the child's perspective now, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of really funny lines in this chapter too. So yeah. just keep, keeps being clever. Um, but yeah, I don't think I really have anything. Oh, this was one thing that I had talked about, uh, wanted to talk about. So Walter has a thought to himself. Actually, he thought to himself, he only had one friend, Elizabeth Zott. And she wasn't just a friend. She was his best friend. He never told her she was, but she was. Yes, there were plenty of people who would argue that a man and woman couldn't really be friends. They were wrong. He and Elizabeth discussed everything, intimate things. Plus, they had each other's backs like friends do. Even laughed like other friends. And granted, Elizabeth wasn't a big laughter wasn't a big laugher still despite the show's growing popularity she seemed more depressed than ever um so my question is do you think that guys and girls can be just friends hmm interesting if they're both single people i think so it's not like you date everyone you meet can you but can your best friend who you're sharing all of your intimate mm. so like i think you can definitely be friends with other people but can they be like your best friend that's interesting um i would say i wonder if it changes when you're single versus when you're like with in a relationship with somebody mm -hmm. especially like if you're married you know and that's like that's like a different like level of relationship you know mm -hmm. than like we just dated a few weeks ago you know and the person who you're married to needs to be your number one person who's hearing all of your like mm -hmm. who's like your confident and all those things um and i could see maybe having a male best friend isn't the best choice there or like you know the friendship needs mm -hmm. to change it's going more towards husband than to towards your other yeah. best friend you know yeah like i don't want to say can't because that's very restrictive and obviously people have such different levels of how they operate and do things. I guess for me, it's like being in a relationship with someone, a huge component of it is the friendship. Mm -hmm. And like you're saying, it's like the person that I'm married to, the person that I'm in a relationship with, they should be like my quote unquote, like best friend. Andrew should be my best friend. Yeah. So if I have someone else who's filling that role, am I, giving the full attention and nurturing that my romantic relationship has if I'm spending all this time with this other person. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. What if it's you're spending, just replace all that with a woman best friend? Does it change things? No. Mm -mm. I think there is, I think there is a special relationship with someone of the same um, what do you call it? Not like, I don't want to say gender because you could have like a gay best friend, but if you like the same type of person, someone you, you're not romantically interested or you're okay, not, you don't have yeah, a physical attraction not, to. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Is that sexual orientation? Yeah. I think that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever that is, um, a girl, gay best friend, whatever, someone who it's like, you do not have that physical component. That part is yeah. broken. Having a friend like that is very special. And I think you can have a very deep relationship with someone like that. That's different from your romantic partner. 
but I would just say with any relationship, if, if it's getting in the way of you spending time with your partner, maybe you're not nurturing your relationship as much as you need to. Yeah. I think that's a good, good point. It kind of seems like if he and Elizabeth had gotten married, even out of convenience, it would solve a lot of their problems. (laughs) Yeah, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Elizabeth being married to Calvin would have solved a lot of her problems, too. That's true. Or some of them, not all of them. But I guess just Elizabeth conforming a little bit because she's just so unwilling to conform to any type of norm. Yeah. That it does cause a lot of issues like she could have easily sidestepped that question on the grace she could have just said i don't say grace over my meals mm-hmm. and she could have just ended it like that but it's like in elizabeth fashion she has to say well it's because i'm an atheist <laughs> and it's because everything you believe is ridiculous you know <laughs> that's that's a good point yeah <laughs> it it's like it, it, it's like she has to go into her manifestos. She can't just 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 say the least amount. And yeah. So I think that's her that's her problem. That's her fatal flaw. <laughs> that's her fatal flaw. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, okay, my question or the thing that had come up when we were talking about the friendship thing was, you know, when I don't know if this is even still a thing, but when people had like their work wife or whatever. Oh yeah. What's mm-hmm. your thought on that? Mm, nope don't like it i think it's terrible i can't believe people did that do they still do it i don't know i know andrew says his work wife is um his part his like business partner danny who's a guy right it's funny now because they don't have like physical attraction as a right 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 so you so your your work wife can be it can be danny um (laughs) who it it can't be is a girl yeah so that's it. Yeah, I I know. That just came to my mind. It's like, oh, that's awful. I know. I agree. Don't like that. Mm-mm. All right. Well, I think that's it. I think that's all I got in me. I think that's, that's good. So this was two episodes. Right? Yeah, this was two episodes. We started on what? Chapter 25. Oh, yeah. Okay. We did they're pretty good. Let me see. That's like seven chapters. Yeah. That sounds about right. No, we start on chapter 23. Oh, wow. Or chapter 24. Yeah. Okay, cool. Good job. Yeah. Bud. I think we can do this in one more session. The whole book? Yeah. One more, like two more episodes, basically. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I think, I think so. Wow. We're, we're getting close. Yeah. Well, um, Yeah. I really, really like the housemaid. I thought so that's if, what you were going to say. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, um, if you can try to rent it from the library or something or like read a, the first chapter and see if that's a book that you want to read. I say let's do it. If you're already reading it and you like it. Well, I only read the first chapter because it's a mystery and I feel like that'll be a fun one for neither one of us to know the answers oh, to. Okay, yeah. So that's why I stopped reading it. Oh, okay, cool. But I've heard really, really, really good things about it. Um, so, ooh, it's only eight dollars for paperback. I bet I could buy that. Okay, good. Buy it. Okay, perfect. Alrighty, All girly right. girl. Well, I'll Have see you tomorrow. Yeah, five p.m. <gasps> Eastern. 
Okay. Sounds good. Love you. Love you too. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bookalicious. If you like this discussion, please rate or subscribe to our channel to help other book lovers find this content as well. If you have any questions or suggestions for future books, we'd love to hear from you at bookalicious.pod at gmail.com. As always, thanks for joining our club.